Hey, and welcome to another episode of Happy Without Medicine. It is me, Dr. Yoandi, your host. And today I'm going to be talking about relationships. Specifically, I'm going to be talking about seven ways your childhood trauma experiences, your upbringing may be showing up in your relationships. And so if this is something that interests you, stay tuned and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Happy Without Medicine, and I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, a medical doctor, therapist, and a fierce advocate for your happiness. My mission here is simple, to help professional women just like you create a life you're excited to wake up to. It's time to make the happiness you feel on the inside match the success others see on the outside. Let's get started. And so this past week, I did an Instagram live where I spoke about the four different attachment styles and how when we grow up, when our infancy and our childhood, how we form attachment with our primary caregivers or our parents sets up a blueprint of how we show up in our romantic relationships. And so If you haven't caught that live, definitely go to my Instagram and watch it because I think it'll be very informative and it'll be very insightful for you. And so I am at dr.yuandi on Instagram. So that's at dr.yuandi on Instagram. So go ahead and look for the live that I did on Monday, February 19th, where I spoke all about attachment styles. Today, I wanted to take it just a little bit of a step further because more and more I am seeing how our experiences in childhood really, really set us up for how we show up in our romantic relationships. Lately, I have been so hooked on the show Love is Blind. I had watched the show a few years ago, season one, with Cameron and Lauren. If you have no idea who I am talking about, Go and look up on YouTube clips of Love is Blind on YouTube, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I have been so hooked on the show. And so what it is, especially as someone who is so fascinated with human biology and psychology, someone who is so fascinated, yeah, with human psychology, someone who is so fascinated with interpersonal relationships, and someone who is so fascinated with love, This show has been such an awesome way to revisit all my different obsessions. And so just a quick recap of what Love is Blind is about. They bring men, they bring women, they've never met each other before, and these people date. So probably about 20, I would say, men and women. And these people date without actually seeing each other. So they put them in these pods with a wall in between them. And all they can do is spend time just talking and getting to know each other. 
If you're an OG, an old schooler, an 80s baby, 90s baby like me, this is very similar to back in the day where we didn't have smartphones, we didn't have the internet, and all you could do is just sit on the phone in the middle of the night with the person that you had a crush on. (laughs) Okay, maybe you were not like me, sitting on the phone in the middle of the night with the person you had a crush on, but it was kind of like that, where maybe you didn't see them offered or maybe you hadn't ever met them per se, although back in the day, I don't know how you wouldn't have met someone. Or so maybe you met them in on high five, if you remember high five, <laughs> and perhaps you never met them face to face, but usually you would have seen a picture. So maybe not exactly like back in the day, but the only difference is that on Love is Blind, you don't get to meet the person or see the person. You have no idea what they look like. You literally just develop a relationship by getting to know them intellectually, getting to know their values based on the stories that they share with you, etc. But not to get too deep into Love is Blind here, that's what that show is about. And the more I watch the show, the more I am analyzing these people. And when they talk about their childhood, I'm often fascinated about how it's showing up in the way they date and who they choose to date and who they choose to continue on the relationship with. Um, It demonstrates itself in how they show their anxiety, how they communicate, um, how vulnerable they're willing to get and how quickly they're willing to get vulnerable. And it's just so fascinating to me. And it's just bringing up this renewed appreciation of interpersonal relationships and the importance of our childhood in determining some of these things. I will preface all of what I'm about to say in that, of course, these things happen But it's not 100% guarantee that if you experience a specific kind of trauma, you are going to experience a specific kind of pattern of behaviors in your relationships. But they're very good predictors. And the other thing is that these things are not permanent. That's why you have people like me, therapists who are really able to provide that insight, those connections and bring about a measure of healing such that you're not repeating certain kinds of patterns in your relationships. And so let's get into it. Seven ways in which your childhood trauma experiences, um, relationships with caregivers, relationships with parents, how seven ways in which they show up in your relationships. And the first one is an unhealthy amount of hyper-independence. And usually how this shows up is in people who, even though they are partnered up with someone, they will make decisions without communicating, or they won't consider another person's feelings uh, in the decisions that they're making and the things that they're doing. They may not stay in touch. They may ghost a person um, and not really feel like, oh, this person's feelings are relevant in how I am engaging or how I'm choosing not to engage. And they have an unhealthy amount of independence. Because the truth is that as human beings, we are wired for connection. We are wired for a measure of dependence where together we bring our strengths to the community, we bring our strengths to the relationship, and we work together to make each other stronger. But when a person is hyper-independent and totally disregards 
every other member of the community or in this specific situation completely disregards the feelings, the thoughts, the emotions, the opinions, the buy-in of their partner, um, that could be an indication that growing up, they were forced to be hyper-independent. They were forced to grow up quicker. They were parenticized, as we sometimes will say, meaning that instead of having a parent to nurture them, to take care of them, to help them, to watch over them, to comfort them, they were forced to do these things either for themselves or perhaps even for the parent. Which leads me to my next point, which is number two, codependent. So we talked about an unhealthy hyper-independence. The next way that childhood trauma and experiences show up in our relationships is the sense of codependence. And what is codependence? Codependence basically means when a person is in relationship with someone else where it forms a dynamic or certain types of patterns where there is this excessive need for approval, an excessive need of external validation, where a person's self-worth is derived from the role they play in a relationship. And by the way, codependency doesn't only always happen in romantic relationships. We often see it in relationships between parent and child, where a parent, a child may always seek this external validation or their sense of self-worth comes from approval from a parent. But in romantic relationships, it comes from this sense of if I'm not a certain kind of person or I don't show up a certain kind of way, I don't have a sense of self-worth independent of how I show up in my relationships. And this can often manifest as a fear of if this person in in a relationship with is not okay, that I can't be okay. It can often also manifest as a sense of low self-esteem or feeling like you're not valued in the relationship or you don't have a voice in a relationship. And the only way you can feel secure in a relationship is if you show up as a certain way or show up a certain way or do certain things that get the approval of the person that you're in a relationship with. This is very closely related to my third point, which is people-pleasing. So people-pleasing in relationships often shows up when um, in childhood you weren't praised or you weren't validated or you weren't shown love unless you did certain things, whether it's getting good grades or performing at a certain level in your athletics or in your music, extracurricular activities, the only time you felt like you were getting that love or that validation from parents or caregivers was when you behaved a certain way or performed a certain way or executed on something at a certain level. And how that shows up is in relationships, not being able to communicate your boundaries, not being able to say no because you're afraid of losing the person's love or losing the person's approval. Uh, and you're constantly trying to please them and do things, even if it goes against your comfort, even if it is highly inconvenient and in these cases, even harmful, because of course we know that in healthy relationships, there is a measure of compromise that's required, 
But if you are constantly putting yourself in harm's way because you're trying to please somebody else in a relationship, that could be an indication of certain things in your childhood that are now manifesting in your romantic relationship. And so the fourth thing that I want to share as far as how our childhood trauma shows up in our relationships is the concept of emotional availability. This often shows up in people who, when growing up, expressing any form of emotion was considered a sign of weakness. Maybe they were even punished for expressing certain levels of emotion. Maybe they were considered weak or stupid even. Maybe they were called names like an idiot or a nuisance because they were emotional and they were too sensitive or they were too expressive. Sometimes people may have been told that, oh, as a child, you shouldn't be caught crying. If you're going to be crying, then go up to your room because you're annoying everybody. And so in those situations, it becomes a reinforcing thing where any form of emotion and expression of emotion is considered bad, is considered a nuisance, is considered a sign of weakness. And so these people often find it very difficult to show their emotions, to express their emotions, to communicate their emotions. They have a hard time being open. They have a hard time being vulnerable. And it's all as a result of the things that they were told growing up, or perhaps they were punished for any expression of emotion in their childhood. Point number five, another way our childhood trauma can show up in relationships is having significant trust issues. Oh my goodness. And so this often comes up when unfortunately the caregivers, the parents have shown a pattern of breaking trust. So not doing things that they said that they were going to do, not showing up in ways that they said that they were going to show up. And so what that does is it imprints in the child that people can't be trusted. Or perhaps a situation happened where a child was vulnerable and they were taken advantage of. And that happens a lot, unfortunately and sadly. Perhaps it was a child sharing information with someone that was then used against them, something that they had shared with primary caregiver, a parent or an adult, a teacher in confidence. And that information was used not to keep them safe, but to harm them. And so what that does is unfortunately causes them to develop the belief that, you know, people can't be trusted. People can't be trusted. And so then they go into relationships with this imprinting that people can't be trusted. And these are the kinds of people that are, you tell them something and they don't believe you or they question everything that you say, or they're constantly checking on you to see that you are where you say you're going to be. And I said in the Instagram live that I did that we have to be very self-aware and we also have to understand the people that we choose to go into partnership with. Because if you're someone who has trust issues and you are paired up with someone who is emotionally unavailable and not expressive, then that you can end up triggering each other. You do something and then he does something in response to what you're doing and the cycle goes on and on and on. And so this is why I like sharing this information so that it can spark self-awareness in you and a level of understanding for your partner as well. So know that if you're paired with someone who is secretive, who is not communicative, 
It doesn't always mean that they are cheating. Sometimes it might mean that, but it doesn't always mean that they are cheating. Sometimes it might mean that they have an imprinting that is preventing them from trusting you all the way. And that is why they're holding their information so close to their chest. And, you know, a plug for therapy, 100%, a plug for counseling, um, for anybody that is going into a serious relationship, a committed long-term relationship, definitely come together and meet with a counselor so that they can provide insights and really talk about why you are the way you are so that you can show up as your best self in your relationships. Number six, along with trust issues, often will come jealousy. And I want to use this opportunity to clarify the difference between jealousy and envy, because I think sometimes we will mix these two emotions or expressions of emotions up. So jealousy usually involves a third party. So what jealousy looks like is you are in a relationship with someone and you get jealous when a third party comes and is threatening your relationship. So I should clarify that this third party might not necessarily be doing anything to threaten your relationship, but you feel threatened by this third party in your relationship. So jealousy usually involves a third party. And this could be, you could be jealous of someone of the opposite sex threatening your relationship. And you could be jealous of friendships. Maybe you've been in friendship with somebody and a third party comes that seems to be threatening your bond with this friend. Any form of, it could even be you in a romantic relationship could feel threatened by a friend that your partner is you know, chummy with maybe a new colleague at work. And even if there is no sense of romantic attraction between this new friend and your partner, you just feel threatened because perhaps you're worried that this new person is going to take up time, attention, resources, etc. And so jealousy is another way that childhood trauma shows up in relationships. And sometimes this is because, yes, something has happened. Perhaps Uh, parents got divorced and maybe mom ended up remarrying. And when mom ended up remarrying, you felt like she wasn't giving you the same level of attention as you had when it was just the two of you. And so whenever someone new comes into a relationship, a bond that you already have, you feel threatened and you get jealous. And it's interesting, this happens quite often where maybe a parent has been a single parent for a long time and there isn't that effort to really carry the child along with the new partner and really pay attention and unfortunately that jealousy happens. And the truth is that despite your best efforts, if you're a single mom who you know ended up in, in a new relationship or a single dad who ended up in a new relationship, there's a lot that you can do but sometimes this feeling of jealousy cannot be prevented without active intervention. And again, another plug for therapy in these situations, just having a counselor really help the child navigate this kind of change can go a long way. And now the seventh and final way that our childhood trauma can show up in our relationships is in physical intimacy or sexual intimacy and having challenges then. I remember And having challenges specifically when it comes to physical intimacy and sexual intimacy. And this can show up 
at any time during the course of a relationship. It can show up when there has been a history of sexual abuse, for example, um, and things might have actually been fine throughout the relationship, but then maybe you get married and you have a daughter and when your daughter turns a certain age, you all of a sudden notice that there is a barrier between you and your partner because perhaps it's unlocking some memories, unlocking some feelings that you have experienced or maybe haven't experienced in a long time since your own experience with abuse. And so if you're finding yourself distancing from your partner or finding yourself having thoughts, nightmares, having ruminations about you know, your physical attraction or thoughts around your kids. Once you start, I've spoken to a lot of women who, and not just women actually, to come to think about it. I remember I had a patient once who, when her son turned 12, her husband ended up really distancing himself from her. Um, He ended up, you know, seeking other relationships. He ended up cheating on her and all of those things. And when they went into therapy, it turns out that was that was the age that he was sexually abused. Um, he was 12. And so when their son turned 12, it opened this whole door of things that he hadn't quite dealt with. And so if you're finding that you are having these thoughts and they're unfounded, right? They are unfounded thoughts and that you have no real reason or evidence to support having these thoughts or feelings. I strongly encourage you to seek out a therapist who has experience with trauma and specifically abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Because if you find yourself distancing in your romantic relationships, pulling away in your romantic relationships, it could be that there's unresolved issues or issues that are resurfacing that need to be addressed. And so to summarize, our childhood, because that is where we get our blueprint, our programming, the imprinting, the framework, the lens through which we will interpret and navigate our lives, when it comes to our romantic relationships, our childhood is very, very important. It can demonstrate as an unhealthy hyper-independence, It can demonstrate as codependence. It can demonstrate as people-pleasing, difficulty expressing our emotions or emotional distancing. It can demonstrate as trust issues, jealousy, and it can demonstrate in our capacity to start or even continue, maintain our physical intimacy with our partner. And not to beat a dead horse, but if you're finding that you're repeating certain cycles in your romantic relationships, patterns of behavior, or you're behaving in ways that are out of proportion of your partner's behavior, or if you're doing things that just don't really seem to make sense to you, I highly encourage you to connect with someone, seek out help, open up about your childhood, and let's see if we can connect the dots and start you or continue you on a journey of healing such that you are able to show up as the best version of yourself in your relationships. If you're not yet following me on Instagram, please do so because I have been going live frequently, talking more about certain things that have to do with romance, relationship, that have to do with our success and happiness and just overall 
being well, being well overall. So if you're not following me on Instagram, please do so. And I want you to send me a DM as to which of these resonated with you the most. Send me a DM, let me know. And I also want to ask you to let me know if there are any topics that you want me to address, whether on the podcast or on a live stream on Instagram, let me know what topics would you like me to address because I would be more than happy to do so to answer your questions and shed some light on some things that you might find confusing or might need clarification. As always, this is not a substitute for therapy, but I'm hoping that it will unlock the door or maybe encourage you and inspire you to seek out your own therapist to hash some of these things out. Remember that I am here always advocating for your success and your happiness. And until next time, stay well. Bye. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Yuan Day, on the Happy Without Medicine podcast this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps Happy Without Medicine pop up when other women are searching for ways to find their happiness again. And visit happywithoutmedicine.com to view the complete show notes and other resources mentioned in today's episode. I'll catch you next time.